Welcome to the Dramatic Broadcast with Michael Jerome and Frank Sasso. This is the show that answers the question, what is Dramatic Prog? Smashing traditional musical understanding against the rocks of boring, uninteresting composition. Michael and Frank explore groups and singers that forged ahead of naysayers to give us quality music today. The progressives, the skill, the discipline, the dramatics. Now, here are your hosts, Michael and Frank. Episode 4 of The Progcast. What do you think of that voice? I like that voice. <laughs> like, I like the I like Batman doing like it. Like Progcast sounds. It sounds like impending doom. I can see the helicopters in Apocalypse oh. Now coming onto the beach at, at oh, sunrise. Oh, man. There's something about a burning broadcast in the morning. All right. Hello, everybody. Frank Sasso here, co-host of Dramatic Prog. And this is Michael Jerome, your other co-host of Dramatic Prog. <laughs> your other co-host. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well, here's what we're talking about. Just like the title says, the top ten most progressive songs by bands that aren't really progressive. <laughs> At least in my opinion. <laughs> I'm going to jump right in. Jump I'm going right to play in. a little bit of it. Go for it. By Iron Maiden. Hallowed be thy name. The sands of time for me are running You just heard a little bit of Hollywood be that name. I would say pretty progressive song. What do you think? I think uh, Iron Maiden has definitely taken metal to a progressive level. They were one of the first groups to do that kind of crossing the line into uh-huh. something more than just the noise aspect of loud guitars and heavy drumming. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. They also, they're kind of rooted also, in also, Sure, also their lyrics. Yeah, all those guys. You could tell that they listened to a lot of, like, Jimmy Page and Hendrix. And, you know, they were one of the early founders of that kind of hardcore Okay. You know. So far, if this is any indication on where this episode is going, so far, I'm, it looks like I'm going to be wrong on most of these. What I always liked right. about Iron Maiden was that, like, Mommy and Daddy really hated that stuff, you know? Like, so yeah, with made, the whole thing with right. Eddie, the mascot, you yeah, know, on all yeah, the albums right. and on denim jackets everywhere. Right. All right. Next song up for grabs here. I, I feel this is a very progressive song by a band that I don't really feel is progressive, but again, let's listen to a little bit of Child in Time, Deep Purple.
child in time. Your yeah. thoughts, sir? The term progressive wasn't even invented yet. Wasn't invented till about three years after they formed. Oh, okay. But they were certainly a progressive band because John Lord was this great organ player, and his chops were right up there with Richie Blackmore. So they were kind of Man, like you an do equal, know your stuff. Yeah, they were kind of like an <laughs> equal organ and equal guitar combination. They were one of the first bands where the keyboards was sort of on the same level as the guitar when it came to soloing and how much was okay. being played. I think that song is a great example of heavy, heavy prog. It is the, very. The Heavy, absolutely heavy prog. Yep. All right, cool. And the so, the solo is awesome too. They oh, the, absolutely. The screams, you get the whole the voices are the vocals. All right, next one. This is from Queen. Name of the song. Ready? The March of the Black Queen. Yes. yes. It's a good oh, prog song. Oh, oh yeah, Queen was. Uh, they were prog right out of the starting no. gate. So so far, I'm wrong on all three as far as the well, band what, why as you opposed mean, to the song. Oh, so in, I'm saying other, the song words, is progressive, but I don't necessarily yeah. think the band is. Queen was considered a progressive band because there were keyboards, and he had that opera voice. Oh yeah, yes, Freddie Mercury, sure. And, yeah. You know, he had that voice that you would see like on Broadway, or you would th- you think of him as um, right, uh, almost a British dance hall. Uh, you know, okay. uh, he was very dramatic. He was very oh, dramatic. Yeah, like, he because, was dramatic prog. Yes, yes. He was almost maybe the inspiration for dramatic prog. He's the essence of dramatic prog. Him. He, he and Bowie, they were playing a character on stage. People yeah. like Freddie Mercury, Bowie, Peter Gabriel. They were lead singers that were playing this character. See, The Who did Tommy, right. and Roger Daltrey was playing these characters sure. with each song. Sure. He was playing the Acid Queen, and he was playing Tommy, yeah. and he was playing Tommy's parents, right. or he was playing the director of the day camp. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He was playing these characters. That's right. All these characters, whereas those guys played a set character for each tour. So what Roger Dolce did, which you can, you can say was theatrical prog. Absolutely. As opposed to dramatic a- prog. more individual. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Now, I think I'm going to change the name of this title to The Ten Most Progressive Songs by Progressive Bands. But the songs, them, these, these particular so songs... So far, these are back in the day, guys. When I'm uh, pulling in punches here. Now, this next song, number five, we're halfway there already. Number five is a song that inspired me from the last episode that you spoke uh, about. Okay. And it's a little bit of The Who's Baba O'Reilly. Oh, yes.
songs of all time. Man, I can't help but sing along man, to it. Man, I love that song. <laughs> so I lo- man, I good. love that song. That's, I love that. You could hear progressive oozing out of that. Totally. Totally. Right. Totally. Totally. Just the VCS three synthesizer, which was a primitive looping sort of sequencer. Okay. The grand piano comes in with the three chords. Don, don, so don. You know, well, first the piano comes in. Right. Then the bass and the drums. Right. And then Daltrey with the so vocals. Good. And then oh right at God. the bridge, the Les Paul hard guitar, he comes in with those power chords. So bam, good. bam, bam. <laughs> it's just a brilliant song. Nobody gets tired of hearing that song. No, never. It's great for anything, too. All right, number six. I'm just jump ahead a little bit here. Radiohead. Oh, they're a great band. Paranoid Android. Here we go. So it started very slow, and then it basically goes completely crazy. Radiohead is actually the epitome, the definition of post-progressive, progressive music. Ooh, a double whammy there. Right. Do you ever hear the term, like, post-punk? They called bands like The Police, The Smiths. Okay. Marcy and Johnny Marr, they right. called that post-punk. There were elements of punk in it, yeah. but it was a little shinier and more cleaned yes, up, and, and the guys were a little better positioned. <laughs> exactly. uh, you, you know, <laughs> you, you could play it for Grandma without her going, oh my God, call the police. Absolutely. Yeah, so, and it's, also, it's, it's very nice, very psychedelic kind of guitar yes, solo of the two. Yes, and Radiohead was a great bunch of artists. That's really art rock. They're really a great Art band. rock. Art Love rock, it. totally. All right, nobody can even dare say anything about this next song being progressive or not. This is You're probably saying it's one not of the, or it is? I'm saying it is. Okay. All the songs that I'm playing, I feel are progressive songs. Okay, got but it. I don't necessarily believe the band may not be. I'm saying the song itself is progressive. Okay. Uh, some bands that aren't progressive have touched on progressive elements and then yeah, said, oh, they, well, that's not really... Or, yeah. or it was an experiment. They tipped you know, their toe they in the progressive pool, Exactly, right. exactly. <laughs> Led Zeppelin with a little stairway to heaven. It's eight minutes long, and it's very complicated. The guitar part's very complicated. The keyboard parts are complicated. And the vocal is this esoteric, who the hell knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, you talked a little bit about... What's a bustle in a hedgerow, for crying out loud? <laughs> hey, he if still there's a bustle know. in your hedgerow, <laughs> be alarmed now. It says, don't be alarmed. Don't I know be I'd alarmed. be alarmed. Yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm bald, so I'd be alarmed if there was a bustle in my head, bro. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Don't tell me to calm down. I got a bustle in my head, bro. <laughs> anyway. You talked a little bit about Metallica. And I believe this next song was very progressive for its time. Uh The song, of course, is One. of instrumental at the end because at the time a long guitar solo at the end of a song was basically it just never happened before am I right yeah that was allegedly the record that was making them user-friendly for everyone they sort of got a little more polished on that record the grooves the basics of the tune were a little more slowed down so people could digest it more yeah. but they've always been I thought a progressive metal band I, mean, I they always had, they considered had stuff that was going on for like eight to nine minutes long with right. absolutely no words at all right Right. That's pretty progressive yes. for its time. Yes, their guitar work was very intricate. If you were going to play both guitars part on two grand pianos together, right. it would sound like two classical musicians battling. It would sound like the uh, it would sound like the Lebec sisters from Canada. Okay. You know, it okay. would. You ever heard of Lebec sisters? I have, but yeah, I haven't heard their music. Yeah, they're trippy. These two French sisters that do classical duets with like orchestras. They. Uh, All right. Well, we got to check them out soon. Number nine, also from Metallica, Master of Puppets. Yes. that Lars Ulrich, like I always considered him a progressive drummer. Oh, okay. Because you could tell he listened to a lot of Bill Bruford and a lot of John Bonham and probably a lot of sure. Buddy Rich when he sure. was a kid. He cut his teeth on jazz because he has these... It does he have can, a jazzy he, he, sound, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, he can play polyrhythms. He's keeping the beat with his kick. He's keeping yeah. the band in line right. with his kick. But with his hands, with on the cymbals and on the other drums and on the hi-hat. So uh, he went back to John Bonham, Buddy Rich. He went back to progress forward. Absolutely. Because t- no one else was doing that. He took the elements that he learned from school. from jazz and yeah. from all the music teachers sure. that he had and people he listened to and put it in a metal context. Right. Which is what a lot Very of the lot of what these progressive guys are doing. You got these guys that like took classical keyboard lessons all their life. This Garth Hudson from the band. And he mm. took what he learned in classical lessons right. and applied it to this Americana country rock kind sure. of style. Sure. So you Absolutely. know that's 
always seems to be the case. The younger generation of musicians take what they're learning from the older people and applying it to what's going on now. Right, right. You know? Love it. Cool, man. All right, well, last song, number 10. I gotta say, it's another Metallica song. Okay. Fade to Black. Here we go. Sounds like some of my synthesizer it licks. Like it sounds like you. It does sound like me. It sounds like some of my synthesizer licks because he's up there in the high register and he's got some kind of a face shifter effect on the yeah. on the strings. Isn't and that it, you deep? know? Yeah. It, that totally yes. sounded like yes. Michael Jerome. Yes. It's in fact, if I didn't know better, I would say that it was a guitar line, maybe with a keyboard behind it, like, like this mixed in. Yeah. Well, you see Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis that produced Janet Jackson's 1814 Rhythm Nation. They reinforced a lot of the bass parts with Mini Moog synthesizers underneath the bass, and that's what gave it that awesome, awesome sound. You know, that's a studio technique. How I don't cool. think Metallica did it there, but it sounds like they could have put it up in the higher register with a synth playing along with the guitar, because the guitar sounded a little studio enhanced, let's put it, it that way. It totally. This is very interesting because it gives me an idea of your take on what progressive is. So you're on the same, you understand, you're sort of on the same page. Well, I it's, hope so. See, it's hard to define. But you know when you hear it, that's the thing, you? and that's what I'm trying. And that's right. the whole point yes. of this episode. Yes, I'm trying to actually help Jethro Tull. Yes, they did. Ac- they did Aqualung. Right. Now Aqualung is considered one of the greatest concept albums of all time, right. along with Tommy. Sure, it wasn't a to hit to, to Ian Anderson and his wife. It, it was really just there was no concept behind it. It was portrayed that way by by the rock press and by the media. By media, it was sure. really just a bunch of different songs. They didn't consider it to be telling a story. Right. It just happened to come out that way. So when they did "Thick as a Brick," they said, "Well, we'll show them. We'll give them some. We'll give them something to really. <laughs> something to write about. We'll give them something. We'll give them a concept record." Right. They were poking fun at these pretentious right. British bands that right. were doing concept records sure. like this. This uh, intro, you know, this introduction, these eleven-minute songs, and these these elaborate introductions and instrumental passages. <laughs> yes, exactly. And he goes, the audience didn't get it. He said, we were actually making fun of it. He said, look at the cover, you know. <laughs> and and uh, he said, and of course the the progressive heads were like, oh wow, this is just what we wanted, right? You know, and exactly he said, right. we were making fun of it. Love they didn't that. get it. But of and course, that's the British with their Monty Python sense of humor. Sure, sort of exactly Americans, right. Like Americans are like, they didn't think it was funny at all. The rock press and the rock intelligentsia yeah. took that album so seriously. Oh, and God. really, Tom was like, we're laughing at you guys. Yeah. What's wrong with you? We're laughing at you, mates. We're laughing at you, mates. <laughs> Sod off. That's Sod good off. stuff. Did you have fun with that? I, I like did. that. Yeah. that I, I, it helped me going through the, going through those songs and trying to find out. Oh, yeah. When I say this is progressive, anyway, that was fun. I feel like I learned a lot. 
I feel like Podcastia has a better idea now of what's of what is progressive. Now you add the dramatic in, you got dramatic prog, you got what Mike Jerome is all about. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Man. All right, brother. Until will, next time. Hey, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Awesome. Until next week, this has been DP Dramatic Prog. You've been listening to the Dramatic Progcast. Visit us online at dramaticprog.com to join our mailing list for upcoming dates, news, releases, and other great stuff. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash dramatic prog. Dramatic prog. Music that's outside of the basic three-minute sell-it-to-your-12-year-old-girl pop single.